Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 5 today. So for all you paper Bible people, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be. While you're getting there, I have a question for all of us. Are we ready for a question? Oh, I love you people. The feedback group. All right. So here's the question. Have you ever missed anything that was right in front of your face? (laughs) You know, the funny thing about that question, when I look out to you, the women are like, yes, my husband does this. So I don't know if this is an actual clinical term or not, but I think there's this thing that I have called male kitchen blindness. Maybe you've experienced this, but let me tell you how this goes. I go to the kitchen cupboard. I open it. Maybe I'm looking for peanut butter. I I can't find it. It's not there. And so I yell out to my wife, who's amazing, Anne, where is the peanut butter? To which she says, it's right in front of you. I don't know how it happens, but it magically appears. (laughs) It is amazing. She has this. How many of you experienced this? Yeah. So I don't just want to pick on the guys in the room. Can I pick on the ladies in the room as well? Ladies, this might not be you, and I love my wife, but here's what happens. Greater than 75% of the time when we get in the car, get in the car, get ready to go, I put it in reverse, and the question is from my wife, Ann, where's my cell phone? Where's my cell phone? I've got it here somewhere, and I think it's every time. It's right in front of her. Like it's in her pocket. It's in her purse. It's there. I want to be all-inclusive, so I want to go to kids. For uh, students and children in the room, it's okay to look before you ask for things. I don't know what it is about kids sometimes, but before they even look, they're, hey, where's the, well, look for it, right? So if I capture it ever, sometimes we miss the things right in front of us. I want to get serious, at least for my life. I want to Uh, drive into a more serious point about missing things right in front of us. My oldest son, some of you know this, my oldest son got married this last year, moved to West Lafayette, and he's doing great things. But in that transition, I realized, maybe this will connect with some of you, I realized that I wish that I would have spent more time with him in this one area. I wish I would have taught him more about this. I wish I would have done some different things. And the reality is, for the better part of 19 years, my oldest son was right in front of me. Does that connect with anybody else in the room? Like, I don't want to miss opportunities like that. So for my middle son, who's in college or first year, he's doing great. I don't want to miss opportunities. Or for my youngest son, stuck at a couple of years, I don't want to miss those things. Because they're so important. And if I press in a little deeper today and I think about the spiritual things in my life, I don't want to miss, especially at the beginning of the new year. This is not a message about New Year's resolutions. And how to, but as I think through this year, I've missed God way too much in my life. I don't know about you. You're probably perfect. But in my life, I've missed God way too much. I do not want to miss God like I have in the past because he's right in front of us. I want to share a couple of scriptures. The first one's in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we, you, 
Read this as you. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But look at this. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. If there was ever a question whether God, when he knit you together in your mother's womb, if he had a plan for you, he does. We've heard this time and time again. If you read scripture, you listen to anything, like God has a plan for my life. He not only has a plan, he's thought about it way ahead of time. The really big things and the really small things, God has a plan for your life. And when we're, when we're in the midst of that plan, when we're living that plan out on a daily basis, life goes way better. Worry goes down. Anxiety goes down. Problems go down. Because we're, we're living out the life that God has for us. Many of you know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a wonderful verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's a wonderful verse. God has plans for you, and those plans are great. They're way better than my plans for my life. See, my plans, I don't know about yours, but my plans seem good to me, but they can fade away. They may not make the difference that I want them to make, but God's plans, look at this. Psalm 33, 11 says this, it says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm, say it with me, forever. The plans that God has for you stand firm forever. The purposes of a heart through all generations. His plans for you are perfect. And so here's, here's a question. Couldn't we all use God's best for us in 2020? That's an easy yes for many of us in the room. Yeah, I want God's best in my life. But really, what I want to do today is I want to unpack this scripture in Luke chapter 5 that will help us find God's best for our lives this year. If you rewind, this is not in my notes, if you rewind uh, four weeks ago when I was planning for this, the talk wasn't this talk. I wanted to do a different topic. But the Lord sort of directed me to Luke 5, and I really feel passionately about this today. So we might go an hour. No, no, no. But, but here's why I feel passionate about this. God really has a plan for you tomorrow, for later today. And I've met too many people, and I've missed it too many times in my life, where I'm not in the center of God's will, and life hurts and there's pain, and there's anxiety, and there's struggle, and I'm just tired of it. I want to be in the center of God's, I want God's best for 2020, for all of us. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5, if that interests you. Luke chapter 5, let me give you some context before I start reading. Jesus has picked out some disciples. He's walking around doing great ministry. He ends up of all places, Jesus ends up going to a party. He ends up going to a banquet. And the banquet's being held by a group of what other people are calling sinners or tax collectors. And so he's there, and, and I assume that the party's thumping, the rap music's going. <laughs> For those of you who didn't know, they didn't have rap music back then. But anyway, my, in my brain, it's a party. It's not like quiet, solemn. There, there's, there's noise going on. And the Pharisees, 
who are experts in the law, experts in tradition, have been following Jesus, and they're a little mad. They're upset because they think Jesus should be doing something. He he should be following the rules. And Jesus went to this party, and so they follow him. We're going to pick up Luke chapter 5, verse 33. It says this, They, the Pharisees, said to him, Jesus, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. And then he told this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn a new garment And the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. So in that text, I think God highlighted at least to me, which then sort of bore in this talk, Two things that will help us be in the center of God's will to get his best for our lives in 2020. But before I unpack Luke 5 in that way, let me pray. God, it is is great that we get to, at the beginning of the year, worship you and start something new. In that scripture... We read about new wine, and so God, we want the new things that you have for our lives. And so this morning, would you open our ears, our minds, our hearts to your word, to your will for our lives so we don't miss it. We want your best this year, Father. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, if you grab your program, on the back of your program, a couple fill in the blanks. First one I want to hit is this, finding God's best in 2020 means evaluating who we follow, evaluating who we follow. In this account of Jesus, there's actually three groups of people in this account. There's disciples, there's just a few disciples in Jesus, there's the tax collectors who are partying, and then there's the Pharisees. And as the party's going on, and in my brain, as I replay this story, the party's sort of loud. The Pharisees, who are experts in the law, they're experts in tradition. They know the Old Testament. They know the rules. They've been doing them for a very long time. And they realize Jesus should be fasting and praying. And in my brain, I see them actually calling out, like maybe not yelling, but they're loud. Why? And they say this. They said to Jesus, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Like in my brain at this party, they're a little louder than most others. And so as I, as I think through that and as I transition into times like today in this time period, don't you think the loudest voice today gets a lot of attention? I'm not, I'm really not that old, but it seems as though we're racing to hear the loudest voice in the world today. Whether it's the news, 
whether it's politics, it doesn't matter, your political party, whatever it is, if someone has an opinion, it just seems like their opinion gets turned up. They think that the, the more volume that happens, the more people will listen. Does anybody else sense that as well? Like it just is maddening to me. And I get the sense that the Pharisees are doing the same thing. But if I, if I think about today, because the reality is the very thing that the Pharisees were praying and fasting for was a Messiah, and he was right in front of them. I wonder if today, if Jesus showed up in our lives, if he was not the loudest voice yelling his opinion, would we miss it? There's processors in the room, and so I want you to be able to process that thought. Because God's voice generally isn't a voice that yells at us. It's a gentle whisper sometimes. And so as the world is yelling and Jesus is not, do we even perceive his voice? Here's a tip. You can write this down. The loudest group doesn't always need my attention. Come on, somebody, that's a good. The loudest group doesn't always need my attention. It's what Jesus did. I'm assuming that the Pharisees were being a little loud, and even though he addressed them, he didn't say, oh, you know what, you're right, I need to go do that. Jesus was not going to follow the loud Pharisees. Instead, he... it's sort of a confusing sentence, but he says this in verse 34. It says, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? Essentially, Jesus is saying, hey, you've been waiting for a wedding, and so you've been fasting and praying. The wedding is on now because I'm in front of you. The very thing that you've been fasting and praying for, the very thing that you've been hoping for is right in front of you. The party is on, and you're missing it. It's a huge miss for the Pharisees. I want to stretch us a little bit because the Pharisees were waiting for the Messiah. Jesus shows up, right? He's the salvation of the world. I can remember in my Christian walk where I would have said in a talk like this, well, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus. I've said yes to Jesus, so I'm good. I've locked in my place in heaven for eternity. I'm good. But the reality is it's beyond just the yes for Jesus. It's the everyday thing that Jesus wants to impart some knowledge, impart some, impart some will in your life. But we get pulled away by loud groups, and we miss the very thing God had planned for us today. Isaiah 43, 19 says it this way. This is the Lord speaking in the book of Isaiah. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's what Jesus essentially was asking the Pharisees. I'm doing a new thing. I'm right in front of you. I'm the exact representation of what you've been praying for. Do you not perceive it? To make this practical, Because I do think that we or I struggle with louder groups or the world trying to pull me away from God's plan in my life. I want to give you an example. It could be a silly example, but it's a real example. My youngest son, he's 14. He's in a uh, robotics league. It's a great league. He does wonderful things. They meet throughout the week. 
It's a great group. But every now and again, they schedule, and they're not screaming at me, but this is trying to make a point. They schedule a robotics meeting on Sunday mornings. Huh. That's interesting. And so I don't just say this because I'm a pastor of a church, right? I say this uh, because it's important for all of us. We choose not to participate on Sunday mornings with the robotics team. It's not to condemn the team. They're doing great things. But we choose to say no to the world, to say yes to God's stuff. Now, I've talked to enough people here at the church that I realize that the world is trying to really hard creep into those places where God wants to spend time with you. The schedules are getting crazier. So now I'm experiencing it. And our answer is no. And it's not out of tradition. It's not out of obligation that on Saturday or Sunday, that's just what we do, we go to church. Because if my answer was no, because out of tradition, I just always go to church, I'm doing the same thing that the Pharisees did. Think about that for a second. Here's why we say no to a loud group. I want to be in a place where the presence of God is. I want to be in a place where a group of people come together and realize that they can worship together the God who created them, the God who is in charge, the God who, when we declare the name of Jesus, every other knee has to bow. I want to be in a place that teaches this book, because this book can sometimes be confusing, and to the best of our ability, we're trying to teach what this book says about today. That's why we say no to some loud voices. You can write this down. A well-timed no creates space for God's plan. A well-timed no creates space for God's plan. That's what Jesus did. The Pharisees are telling him, hey, why aren't you doing that? Essentially said, no, I'm not doing that. And I get it, sometimes it's hard to tell the world no. Sometimes it's hard to tell the group no. Sometimes it's hard to tell your job no or family no. I get that. Because the world celebrates, maybe you wouldn't agree with me on this, but the world celebrates achievement, working harder, pressing in faster, doing more. That's what the world celebrates. So in this to highlight this, sometimes we need to know, I want to go back to Jeremiah 29.11. The verse that so many people love, Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that a great verse? Can we read further? Because there's three verses after that, that if I want that promise, I have to do something. Look at this. When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, look at this. You will find me available to you. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you, says the Lord. I don't know how in a world that's trying to pull me away from the things God has for me, unless I start saying no, I don't know how to do it. 
I need no's in my life, and so I can sit in the presence of God, so I can pray, so I can worship, so I can join with other believers that build me up instead of tear me down. I don't get this right every single time. I don't say no to everything. But a well-timed, figuring out that I don't have to, here's a side note, you can turn the channel, you can turn it down, there's a volume button. You can tell a group that's trying to pull you away, no, I'm just not doing that. Because I want the best, what God has for me, I want the best of that in my life. So finding God's best in 2020 means evaluating who we follow. It also means this. You can write this down. Finding God's best in 2020 means being pliable. That's a fun word. Being pliable. Here's what pliable means. Pliable means uh, easily bendable or flexible. So I want to go back to this account with Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. He essentially tells them a well-timed no. No, I'm not going to do that. And then he says, I'm going to tell you a story to make a point. I'm going to tell you a parable. Now, this is the Steve unauthorized version of what's going on. But essentially, Jesus says, I'm going to make this point by telling you a story. And he says, no one rips new blue jeans to put them on the old, torn-up blue jeans because it rips the new ones and doesn't help the old ones very much. Nobody does that. So don't do that. And then he goes on and he tells this, verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, this might be confusing. Some of you might know this, but I need to give you a little background of what's going on here. In Jesus' time, wine was kept in wineskins, actual skins, the leather, like skins of animal that would be leather. And so they would make these to store the wine in. And they, uh, this is what it looks like, actually. And over time, these would become beautifully uh, grafted, and, and it would just it'd be a beautiful piece of leather holding wine. And you could put old wine in it could, because the old wineskin, the old leather, would harden up. Right? It would become beautiful, but it would harden up. If you took that old wineskin that had hardened up leather around it and you put new wine in it and corked it, the new wine is still fermenting, which means it needs to push and pull on that wineskin. And unless the wineskin is flexible, unless it's pliable, what happens is that old leather bursts. It ruins the wineskin and the wine gets dumped out. You don't get the benefit of the wine and it ruins the wineskin. So what Jesus is essentially saying is, there's new wine available, but you're trying to use the old wineskin, it's not going to work. So I want to make this applicable to us today. In my life, when Jesus presents new wine, when Jesus presents a new opportunity, a prompting, a nudge, something that I think that might be from God. I might need to try that. When he presents a stretch in our lives, I have this question for all of us, including me. You can write it down. Do we flinch or flex when God stretches me? 
Do you flinch or flex? It may not be the perfect way to describe that. But all too often, I flinch. And I, God presents something to me. Hey, Steve, you should do this. Or I get this prompting to read this. Do it. And my answer is, well, I can't because. I can't because money. Budget stuff. I can't because my schedule's really busy. Some of you know that my wife and I have uh, worked with the homeless in downtown South Bend for the last eight years. Every now and again, I share stories from stage, and generally, they're really good stories. But the backstory is this. God prompted me, prompted us to help the homeless in downtown South Bend for six months. This was eight years ago. For six months, my answer was, I can't because to God. Well, I can't because that's somebody else's opportunity. Right? There's already agencies downtown. Well, I can't because I work in the corporate world. I'm really busy. I can't because that's really expensive, and we already have financial plans. I can't. That's sometimes, many times, my default answer. I can't because. Now, God wouldn't let it go. He kept pressing me, and so I finally said yes, and we've been working with the homeless downtown. But frequently, my answer is I, I can't. Because. And so I want to, here's my hope this year, that many of us, all of us, would think through the opportunities that God's presenting in our lives, can be small, can be big, and we say yes more often than we say no. And I want to present three new wineskin ideas. I think I'm really convinced God is doing a new thing. It is a new decade, it's a new year. God is doing a new thing in you. God is doing a new thing in me. There's more opportunity in front of you than was behind you. God is doing a new thing, but the question is, do you perceive it? And if you perceive it, will you say yes? And I wanna give you three ideas. They will not be on a handout. You can take a picture of them, however you wanna record them. But these three ideas are new wineskin ideas to not miss God in 2020. And the first one is this, make financial room for a yes. Too often when I talk to people about, hey, what's God doing in your life? They're like, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to go on the mission trip. I'd like to say yes to 24 Hours Lover City. I'd like to take this person to lunch because I know their need, but I can't because budget. I can't because debt. I'd like to go back to school. I can't. And so my challenge in 2020 is to make financial room so when God presents you something that you want to say yes to, you can so FPU, it's another plug for FPU. Here's the slide. If Financial Peace University, can be, it can be helpful to figure out your finances, to tithe to church and set aside some so when opportunities come up, you can say yes. It's a silly example. This is not in my notes. This last two weeks, some of you know I do Facebook differently. I uh, Facebook friend random strangers and then invite them to lunch. I know I'm weird. Uh, but this guy I've invited to lunch, never knew him, just wanted to know his story, invited him to lunch. And I rarely carry cash in my pocket. And I had cash in my pocket. And so I'm meeting with this guy I've never met before, sort of awkward at lunch, talking, this, that, and the other. And I felt this prompting, this nudge. Didn't hear God's voice, but I, I felt like I needed to give him all the money in my wallet. Well, that's my first was, like, well, I don't want to. 
And then I got like, over the course of 10 minutes, I kept getting this. I, I think I was even sweating. I was like, I do not want to. And then I, and then I thought, what is he going to think? I'm going to get, he's not asking for money. He's fine. What is he going to think? Random guy meets, some of you are like, hey, Steve, you want to go to lunch? <laughs> so, I, so I, I finally reached into my pocket, sort of mid-sentence, and I'm like, this is really weird, but you're supposed to have this. And I gave it to him. I don't know what's going to come of it, but I want us to be a church when we get a prompting from God that's small or large, we say, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. Second, own your schedule. Own your schedule. You have 168 hours a week. It's your 168 hours. Are you attacking your week or is your week attacking you? Are you a victim of your schedule? Is someone else in charge of your schedule? I get if you're working and you're putting in 50 hours a week, I can't get off the machine because that's my thing. Right, but I was there. You can still attack your week. There's still opportunity for you to get it. If we want the Jeremiah 29, 11 promise, there's the Jeremiah 12, 13, and 14. I got to own my week, wake up earlier, stay up later so I can pray, so I can worship. I got to come to church. How about this? Not out of obligation, but because you want the best for God, best from God in your life, you come to church every week. That you stop making it optional and you come every week. Thank you. <laughs> this next week, we're kicking off a series called The 167. So we get 168 hours a week. All of us do. Many of us spend an hour in church a week. What are we doing with the other 167? How do we live this Christian life out in the other 167? How do we own our own schedule so we can take charge of it and invite Jesus in the midst of our week? Our lives would be better. We would find God's best in the midst of it. Last one, new wineskin, prioritize love over volume. Prioritize love over volume. It's a, it's a weird way to say this. I get it. But here's what I mean. If you have an opinion... Volume's not going to win the day. Love is. If you see somebody that's struggling, don't judge them. Be empathetic. Help them out. Meet them where they're at. Do what Jesus did. If you want the best for you this year, do the crazy thing that the world would say never to do, but you would say, I want to do that because Jesus is going to show up. It's going to be amazing. It's a stretch, but you can fill this in. The stretch is worth it. The stretch is so worth it. I did the corporate thing for 20-some years. It was amazing. Had my dream job. I loved it. I missed God a lot. I tried to invite him in those places, but can I tell you, when I say yes to the, I'm not trying to pump my own ego, but we have done, my family has done some crazy things. Invited a prostitute to stay in our house for six months, started a homeless ministry. I left my dream job to come here. I have had more fun and joy and peace when I say yes to God, even in the small things. When I gave that guy across from me that money, it was really weird It made my day. The stretch is worth it. I want to close the way Jesus closes this parable. At the end of this, he, he says this. Verse 39. 
says it to the Pharisees, no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. The old is better. This is a choice. Old wine is comfortable. You don't have to change anything. You can carry that old wine around and talk about it. It's comfortable. But I think we live at a time that the old wine will not sustain us. The old wine might be comfortable, but we live at a time where anxiety is high, where problems are high. We're trying to figure out what God is up to. And the reality is God has new wine for you. He is doing a new thing for you. Do you even perceive it? He has plans for me. He has plans for you. And they're amazing plans. Maya Angelou said, said it this way. She said, we're only as blind as we want to be. We're only as blind as we want to be. I do not want to be blind to God's plan. God's plan is in front of us. It's right in front of us. I don't want to miss it. I want the best for God in my life and in your life. And finding God's best in 2020 means evaluating who we follow and being pliable. So with that, why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.